This is Defenders TV Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 4. The whole world is watching. If you had the chance to take the serum, would you do it? Hells yeah. You wouldn't be worried about how it might... how it might change you? I mean... Power just makes a person more of themselves, right? Carly Morgenthau, Steve Rogers. And me? You already have three medals of honor. You consistently make the right decisions in the heat of battle. Yep. Three badges of excellence to make sure I never forget the worst day of my life. We both know that the things that we had to do in Afghanistan to be awarded those medals felt a long way from being right. Being capped the first time I've had the chance to do something that actually feels right. God, imagine how many lives we could have saved that day if we had that, Sarah. Welcome back, fellow Defenders. It's Defenders TV Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. This time we're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 4, The Whole World is Watching. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Oh, Captain, not my Captain. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am one of your other hosts, John. (laughs) And rounding out this head-smashing, globe-charting trio, I'm Chris. Ooh, spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to be fair... (laughs) Absolutely. <laughs> yes, we will once again be talking spoiler-filled uh, in our discussion for Falcon the Winter Soldier, Episode 4. Uh, if you haven't watched the episode, go watch it. Pretty big episode. Uh, you definitely need to watch this one before listening to the podcast. Uh, but thanks once again for joining us uh, for our discussions of Falcon the Winter Soldier. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do so over on our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. If you subscribe to the main feed, you get our coverage of Falcon the Winter Soldier, Invincible, and Pennyworth, uh, which we're doing every week at the moment. Uh, our last episode of Pennyworth airs tomorrow, the 11th of April. Um, so we'll, that's the last of the three episodes per week, um, that we've been doing. So, uh, you can get all of those over on tvpodcastindustries.com. Yeah, it's been a busy spring. Um, uh-huh. spring has sprung, shall we say, on, uh, the podcast world. It certainly has. And we've only been able to do it with the support of our wonderful listeners who've been supporting us monthly over on Patreon. Um, you can go over to patreon.com slash TV podcast industries, support us over there. We've also been getting some additional support for my coffee addiction, uh, from <laughs> buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you could buy me a coffee to keep me up, uh, doing my editing and, and recording the podcast as well. It's been great fun. Thanks so much to everybody that's been uh, buying coffees for me over there. Uh, I was up at seven o'clock this morning uh, doing the editing on our Invincible podcast, Chris. So uh, I, I needed it's the coffee great. today. It's great. I love this on so many levels. At some point, it's going to be right. Buy me a coffee dot com. Buy John a wine dot com. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you need to buy that domain, John. Buy yeah, me absolutely. a wine dot com. Buy me a wine dot com. But it's buy- W H I N E. <laughs> oh, don't buy John a wine. No, 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 don't do that. No. Why would you think that, Chris? I'm <laughs> saying I'm whiny. <laughs> I said nothing. Okay, yeah. we, well, we I'm need not. to 
buy Chris an energy drink.com is what we yes. need, I think. Oh, no, I <laughs> yeah. don't do those anymore. And do buy Chris singing lessons.com. <laughs> there you go. Buy Chris a tune.com. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> you but mean like you a would... lozenge that you can use for your sore throat? <laughs> kind of. Oh, that's a very European joke there, John. <laughs> Tunes. <laughs> Help you breathe more easily. <laughs> yes, but if you have some strange predication to listen to me sing uh, you just need to let our do- illustrious producer know by sending feedback to feedback at tvpodcastindustry.com and go Derek I want more Chris singing because <laughs> I don't know why you would do that stuff, but if you do yeah sure like, we will do it in fairness we should probably buy all our wonderful defenders uh, or set up a, a website which is buymesomeearmuffs.com <laughs> <laughs> like just that. for the cold uh... or sound noisecancellingearphones.com I like it, I like it, I like it let's get into our discussion about this episode of Fuck the Winter Soldier, uh, once again this episode was written by Derek Kolstad and directed by the director of the entire series, Carrie Scogland uh, good to see them working together this time um, I know I had a little bit of criticism last week about some of the clunky dialogue that was in there, uh, calling back to Winter Soldier and Civil War and I have to say all props to Derek Kolstad. there's definitely a scene in here where he's done some much better writing of how you introduce previous moments from previous movies uh, with the uh, discussion between the Dormelage and uh, and Bucky. So uh, so it wasn't Derek Kolstad's fault. He had to put in a lot of, uh, of exposition last episode that just felt a bit clunky. He did it much better this episode. I want to just call that compliment out up front. Yes. It's it, essentially, he also did a previously on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he it, it was more seamless. I have to admit, it was a lot more seamless and tear-jerking. Let's call it that, but we get into those in our points. Absolutely. Yeah, John, do you want to tell us what happened in this episode with your synopsis for Falcon and Witch Soldier, episode four, The Whole World is Watching? Sure. Investigations at the GRC Centre reveal that Carly Morgenthau will be at the funeral of her adoptive mother, Mama Dania. But unknown to Baron Zemo and Sam Wilson is that Ao has given Bucky eight hours until the Dora Milaje will take Zemo for the murder of their king, T'Chaka. As they head to the funeral, they are intercepted by John Walker and Lamar Hoskins. While Sam wants to speak with Carly in an attempt to understand her actions and persuade her to end her violence, an impatient Captain America intervenes with force. Zemo slips away and manages to destroy most of the super soldier serum, but is knocked out by Walker, who secretly then takes the last vial of serum. But at Zemo's apartment, Ao and the Dora Milaje come for Zemo, but Walker refuses to hand him over. In the ensuing fight, Walker is beaten and humiliated by the Dora Milaje, while Zemo manages to quietly slip away and escapes his would-be captors. Later that day, Sam meets with Carly again after she had threatened his sister and nephews, where she tries to persuade him to join the Flag Smashers. Meanwhile, Walker and Hoskins engage with other Flag Smashers, where Lamar is killed accidentally by Carly. Enraged by the death of his friend, and having taken the last vial of serum, Captain America chases down and kills one of the Flag Smashers for all to see. As Captain America's shield drips with blood, a group of horrified spectators, along with Carly, watches on. Horrified indeed. Mm-hmm. Horrified like us all. Yes, really. horrified yes. emoji. <laughs> Absolutely. Lots to talk about this episode. Let's kick into our bullet points uh, to discuss 
all of our big moments from the episode. Uh, let's start right at the start, uh, this opening scene where we uh, go back to Wakanda with um, the Dora Milaje uh, training, a retraining Bucky to get rid of his programming. Uh, nice opener. Yeah, this this was spectacular. This really was. It was seamlessly blending scenes from First Avenger to Winter Soldier to um, what you call Civil War, mm-hmm. obviously the, the death of the Starks, and the agony on Sebastian Stan's face as the trigger words are called out. the 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 fight the the flat uh, the fight to push back on them. Um, it's just great. Yeah. Um, I think someone, I heard someone say, oh, there's Shuri in the background. I didn't see Shuri. Um, I just saw the, the door Malache. No, um, no, simply, um, he mentions Shuri. That's all. Yeah. He just, he just mentions the fact that she helped him and got the arm and, and that kind of stuff in the conversation. I really like this because I love that you have this kind of relationship that Bucky has with Io set up so well in the fact that she's the one that helped cure him specifically of uh, of the work that was done by Zemo and by Hydra uh, on him. I really like how they've how they've set this up as a scene uh, to show that that would never work, I suppose, what, what Zemo tried to do and using the words again on him to try and turn him back into the Winter Soldier, that will never work again because the Dormalaji and the Wakandans have worked so hard to take this programming out of him. I wanted to check on the timelines, though, because they say that this moment happened six years ago. Yeah. In Wakanda, when uh, Bucky is is there getting his his training after after try, after being saved effectively from being the Winter Soldier, um, the snap was five years long, and this is six months after the snap. So there's a little six month period after Oyo tells uh, Bucky that he's now free. There's a better six month period that we d- haven't accounted for. Um, I think you might have mentioned it before, Chris. That is there a question over whether he started working with the Dormelage as White the Wolf? White Wolf. Yeah. Uh, potentially, as this other character, White Wolf. So has he gone on missions with the Dormelage in some way uh, in in the world during that six months? Or did they just give him a break and tell him, you know, you hang out here in your camp and uh, and enjoy the uh, the wonderful land of Wakanda? <laughs> I, I think it's going to be one or the other. It's going to be that was his six months of peace that he discussed previously. Mm-hmm. Um, or it's going to be that he did take on the mantle of White Wolf from the comic books, which is essentially the adopted son a uh, half-brother of um, T'Challa, uh, T'Challa. Mm-hmm. and essentially it's this character who be- is, in all ostensive purposes, the the covert CIA, CIA version for the Wakandans. Right. He basically, everything is done in secrecy. The White Wolf doesn't exist, really, but he mm-hmm. does. He has the war dogs, and uh, it does all the dirty work that... Yep. Wakanda or the Dormelage don't do. Right. Um, so he goes and he, like, I think there's a whole piece. There's a whole very interesting one of it where he went and he, the, the white wolf assassinated the neighboring country's monarch because they were getting too close to starting a war with the Wakandans. Right. Right. So it's that stuff that Chichaka Chichala could never do, mm-hmm. would never do, the Dormelage would never do, but it's essentially done in the name. Of the monarch, yeah. Like I wonder I whether that would work that. in in Falcon the Winter Soldier, having him go off and be on missions prior to to this season of the show. No. I do kind of think that maybe 
he did have that relaxing period of six months, and then maybe at the end of this series he goes off to to Wakanda to work yeah. with them. Maybe that maybe that's the way they do it. But I did love these scenes with with Oya and, and Bucky, and uh, as I mentioned earlier on, the writing when they're back in Riga and they have that conversation between the two of them and just kind of recounting everything that he's done, all the saving that she's done, who Zemo is, the fact that uh, that their king was murdered and they will never let Zemo uh, loose for that. I thought there was so much power in how that was written. So again, the compliment to Derek Halstead for that writing. Really good. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this. Um, I think, you know, doing a recap and boiling it down into what literally a minute uh it was really really well done this mm-hmm. kind of reconditioning or the final part of it at least uh by ao um yeah. i loved sebastian stan as well in this um as you say chris i just thought he was really really good mm-hmm. i mean he sold the pants out of this scene yeah. um just yeah. the the internalization that he might become the winter soldier again and i think as well the the empathy that you see on Ayo when she says, you know, you're, you're free now, you're free. Mm-hmm. I thought was just really good. I thought it was a real intimate kind of scene between two people that have sort of worked up, um, a relationship here. Um, and that's what was kind of nice seeing them then in, in Riga, kind of a, a bit like, you know, he had maybe betrayed them a little, you know, there was a little bit of resentment there mm-hmm. from her. And I thought that was just a nice little sort of contrast there. And, for me personally, I would love to see like the White Wolf. Mm-hmm. I think that's where Bucky, now that he's no longer the Winter Soldier, and um, getting the mantle of the White Wolf, um, and having that team up with the Dora Milaje and the Wakandans, mm-hmm. I think would be phenomenal. Yeah. I would love to see that, and I think it's a really good way of. Because again, it's such a cool name, like the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. and I kind of sometimes find it hard just to call him Bucky Barnes. And yeah. even though it's a nice name, I, I want to be calling him the Winter Soldier because yeah. it's just so good. I mean, even just those flashbacks, you just remember how like sort of emo cool he was uh-huh. uh, as the Winter Soldier uh, with his long hair. And like, yeah. I I really think that would be awesome um, to have him connected with the Wakandans more permanently because as he says himself in this episode um Sam and I aren't partners like you know so I guess they could be a freer relationship where they hook up maybe in the future but that his main kind of um bit is with the Wakandans as the White Wolf I think would be awesome absolutely effectively has a life debt with comments, you know, they're the ones yeah. that actually saved his life. So I can kind of see him going, paying that back. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, I think that's kind of enough for the opening scene here. Um, actually, we got a great bit of feedback that we'll, uh, we'll be playing later on uh, about that opening scene from uh, Matt Burdick. So uh, we'll return to that in our feedback. Um, in our bullet point number two, I just wanted to call out the impact of the bomb on the GRC office because it's, it's actually uh, condensed to a news report that all of the, uh, the, the refugees. They're not refugees, but uh, all of them are sitting listening to the news and hearing the impact of the bomb that happened. Just because it was such a big moment last episode, and we talked about how this turned Carly from a freedom fighter into a terrorist because she's effectively planted a bomb killing people. I just thought it was interesting that they, uh, they've they said in the news report that this actually led to stronger laws and strengthened borders of the original borders. So not only is it not accomplished exactly what Carly wanted, the ruling powers of the world have actually come together to say, 
we're going to be even stronger on these people um, and they're going to push it even further. But they do call out that it has brought more people to the cause of the Flag Smashers. So it's partly accomplished their goal, but but I just think the the in-world reaction there is interesting that they've said it's uh, it's strengthened the borders that they're trying to break down. Yeah, I, I wish this had been slightly more drawn out, not drawn out, cursed out, kind of like just to, to give a bit more on it because you said, as you're right, it, it's essentially just a WWRN news report. Mm-hmm. And what they're just saying is exactly as you said it, but like what I would have liked to know is how are they doubling down on it? Like, like if you could have seen a bit more and like if they had have done actually shown more of the news report. Mm-hmm. versus doing a yeah. voiceover of, of like someone on their phone yeah. while listening to the news report. Because what I'd like to see, like if they had of, I know it sounds terrible, but a Vox bot of kind of like some of the, we don't call ourselves refugees, refugees kind of explaining why they like a couple of people going, well, we, we don't, we agree yeah. with like the flag smashers are terrorists or yeah. just because essentially what you're just getting now is just a news report. And the reason I say this is because you're going to have, I, I, the, 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 the ramifications of the blip, the impact of it is going to be throughout this phase. It is yeah. going to be a piece that happens like it's what, six months ago. Yeah. In, in, in world time, maybe seven months ago and at this point, like it's going to continue on throughout the rest of the, the phase four, phase mm-hmm. five of the MCU. So maybe they're saving it for later, but like what you really do want, if this is going to be like terrorist versus non-terrorist, it's going to be the driving force of a lot of the, the good versus bad yeah. uh, throughout this. I think we just need to know a bit more. What is the, what is Joe Soap's opinion? Yeah, or yeah. even if they had, you know, the president of the United States coming on screen going, we don't negotiate with terrorists. You know, it'd yes. be a big yes. call out of someone internationally, of head of the UN, something like that, saying it on Thunderbolt screen. Thunderbolt Ross? But, yeah. yeah maybe Thunderbolt <laughs> Ross, Chris, yes. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, um, I mean, news reports like that, you know, it's it's the shorthand of, yeah. of keeping something there. And we've seen it in things like Batman a lot. You see it in comics uh, yeah. a lot. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt that this all played out in, in the episodes yeah. in some respects. I mean, you know, that, that strengthening of the laws and, and the borders is kind of, um, signaled with the, the strong response of John Walker oh, yeah. coming in like a bull in a china shop. And the, um, you, you have that, kind of conversation with ordinary people with the telephone call between Carly and Sarah. Mm-hmm. And she talks about, he's not doing any of this in, in my name. I don't kind of support this new Captain America. You know, that, that kind yeah, of, yeah. he's not my Captain America. He um, doesn't care about my people. No. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stand behind the symbol exactly. of this America. Absolutely. And yeah. I, I think you have the, the context um, of um, when... Sam and Bucky are going through that GRC center Mm -hmm. and none of them will talk. And you have one of them saying, we're not refugees. We're not seeking refuge from anywhere. We're displaced people um, who have had all our rights taken away from us Mm -hmm. because 
everyone's returned from the blip. Yeah. Uh, we've suddenly lost our usefulness and have been discarded effectively. Mm-hmm. So I think those kind of elements throughout the rest of the episode kind of point and sort of circle around this news report to some extent um, within the episode. They are the additional context, yeah. definitely. And that kind of brings us on to bullet point number three, which uh, which we've called Talking Down Carly. Uh, usually in a show like this, a massively violent show uh, in general, people punchy-punch all the time, and uh, <laughs> this would be Taking Down Carly. But in this episode, something really important is happening. We have Sam actually talking to Carly, actually talking to her and uh, using his conversational skills that he's uh, he's used with a lot of people and um who have trauma from being in wars he's had these skills in use in the past and now he's going to use them on carly so uh, so let's talk about carly a bit in this episode um we find that she has got all of the vials all stashed uh, in a in a cemetery um with one of the other members of of the flag smashers nico uh, and they have this really interesting conversation uh, i think this is probably a good starting point for for their uh, section of the episode but they have this really good conversation where nico's saying i used to be a big fan of captain america and carly's kind of so far down this trail of hatred towards uh, the world that she can't even see anything good about Steve Rogers, Captain America. Um, but Nico's explaining that Steve Rogers taught him that there is good in other people. There is trust in other people, but he's not the right person for this world now. Someone like Carly is the right person for this world now. She's the new Captain America in his mind, the new kind of leader this world needs. Someone that looks like other people, someone that's experienced the, the bad things that actually can go on in this world. I thought that was a really interesting conversation. Yeah, I, I thought this was like, you know, just really nicely done because I, I think this episode is like, it is actually really complex in terms of, um, you know, talking about, um, good or evil, yeah. the gray point in between, you know, things being black and white in terms of that polarization of, of, of views. Uh, and this, um, you know, th- this whole thing, this idea coming from the conversation that, you know, Steve was a hero of his time, you mm-hmm. know, born, um, during World War Two, that dichotomy of the Nazis and the Allies uh, and the good and evil. Yeah. Uh, and that, that there's this element where heroes actually, um, are, are messy. They're, they're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Even though Steve tried to be in that sense or very principled, maybe not perfect, you know, he still had to do things that were messy in, in some way. So he, he himself wasn't, I don't think, black and white, um, good and he, you know, that personification. He tried to uphold those and was the best at doing that, yeah. I think. Um, and I, I like the idea that, you know, from this, this conversation, it's this idea that, Heroes need to be, um, I guess, yeah, messy is the word I would use that, you know, sometimes they do things that are questionable, but for a greater purpose mm. and this idea of being in the gray zone. But that makes it difficult to associate them with being a hero then. And I think that's a really interesting kind of thing that kind of comes out of this conversation between Carly and Nico as yep. to what for them is a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting that Marvel like kind of l- is looking at that now in, in the, the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, 
Marvel Comics, DC Comics, whatever, it is that very clear line a lot of the cases. Certainly, you know, back in the Silver Age and and so on of being good and bad. And and that's it. So this is really good. And I mean, comics now look at that gray space as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But this is speaking to the cover of Captain America issue one with him punching Hitler in the face. You know, it's, it's that, it's that simple. Good and evil was the was the old way of thinking of things, and it's brought out in the conversation from Zemo, which I love getting yeah. the explanation of who he really is, what he really believes, and he talks about it in terms of supremacy. And it's such a good conversation between uh, Sam Bucky and and, uh, and Zemo, where he's saying the serum entitles people to supremacy. I don't care who they are; they have taken something to enhance themselves over other human beings, and once they do that, they're in exactly the same space as the Nazis, and you see Sam and Bucky nodding. And then he goes, and the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then but... Sam goes, oh, hang on a second. Those are our friends you're talking about. But he's going, no, that's exactly why I did what yeah. I did. Yeah. I attacked them because they believe they're superheroes better than everybody else, and they're not better than anybody else. But the minute somebody takes that serum, that's who they become. And it bleeds into that great conversation between Sam and Carly, where he repeats the same thing to her. And I love her response. I love the conversation that's in there where he's going, you've hurt people. You're killing people. That can't be the right way to go. Um, a friend of mine says that that's supremacy. And she goes, oh, I'm absolutely anti-supremacist. But if innocents get in my way, I'd kill them again. And then she's like, oh, hang on a second. Uh, you've made me say something I didn't want to say. You've made me, made me sound much worse than I am. But I, but it is a great concept to bring in, you know, she wants the world her way to help her out. And at the cost of innocence. So yeah, yeah. I I think Zemo is just phenomenal. I I love that because it, it like it's again I've said this before. It, it, it's coming from how he was portrayed in Civil War, mm-hmm. and again here it's this counterpoint to hero worship, I guess, uh, and the possible dangers of that. And I mean, in effect. Like you say, he says, anyone on the path to being a superhero is on the path to superiority. Mm-hmm. And it, it's that he's, you know, he's not saying that the, the Nazis are the Avengers, um, and, and vice versa. Yeah. It, it's the idea that the core of Nazi belief was this idea of superiority. Yeah. And it, I guess what turns good superheroes or you know to bad superheroes is the idea that that superiority makes them different i mean actually it it's magneto in that sense the 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 very thing that he um was subjugated to he begins to um uh, advocate uh, this idea that we are superior to mm-hmm. humans yeah. uh, by taking the serum we are a superior human yeah. um and that this just messes with um i guess those complexities of ego of what's right and wrong uh, and i think you see this with sort of gradually bubbling with john walker oh, about yeah. this idea of you know it being inferior or or jealous uh despite having been told he's the best thing since sliced bread mm-hmm. and, and having his ego massaged and he he gets uh you know that it plays into that and i i think zemo's i love having this character yeah absolutely love yeah. having this character in this show absolutely. and in the in the marvel universe because i think he's just so good yeah 
It, like yeah. again, once again, he's one of the best villains that Marvel have had. He has a yeah. really understandable position and explains it so well. Where you go, I can't fault that. No. <laughs> you know, I might have the T-shirt for Captain America, but I can't fault your concept that anybody who is superior has a superiority complex. Let's take them down. Yeah, it, 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 it's ingrained that the supremacy part is ingrained in Nazi ideology of the Ubermensch and the 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 ultra ultraman. The, the, yeah. uh, it's essentially that they are superior to all other races. Therefore, the, the Aryans, the, 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 all that aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And it's all triggered. And that's why no matter what, they have to keep Zemo alive and around at the end of this series. Right. Yeah. And that's Marvel, my opinion. Yeah. Like Marvel have to yeah. because he, uh, he, and I mean this actually in a better way. He is the anti-Steve Rogers in that. And I, I don't mean the, the, the Red Skull. Mm-hmm. He is, he is a bad guy. Yes, fine. Cause he, but it's more his ideology is, is actually, as you said, it, it's, it's impeccably unflawed in that you can't, it, it, the, the actions are flawed. The, in the way he goes about it is flawed. The ideology is that we everyone should be equal to a degree. Mm. It's not flawed. The equality to all is when you get into it is communism and socialism and a few others. It, it, all the isms. All the isms. I just really, I really enjoyed having him here to in basically the reason I like having Zemo around mm-hmm. is that he can he can give that differing point of view to the Avengers. He is there to be the anti, when I say the anti Steve Rogers, the, the opposing view to Bucky, the opposing view yeah. to Sam and kind of give them that. No, no, no. Look, your way is fine, but here's the different point of view and here's why you need to listen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the central themes of the show of Falcon the Winter Soldier so far has been it's about context and perspective. Whatever yeah. your context is and whatever perspective you come from, you believe you're doing, you're in the right. Carly absolutely believes she's in the right. We've talked about it. A lot of our fellow defenders have talked about it. You can see Carly's points. You can see why she's doing what she's doing. Yeah. You can see Zemo's point. You can see why he's yeah. doing what he's doing. You can see why Sam's doing what he's doing. And you can also see why Walker's doing what he's doing. Um, all of these people have got a perspective where they came from yeah. that tells them they're on the right path. But I love how Zima breaks this down. I love how it turns Absolutely. into, as I say, the conversation with Sam and Carly, where Sam kind of gets her to admit that she is doing something wrong here. He says to her, well, are you going to create more people for your army? Are you going to use the serum to create more people? And she realizes in that conversation, actually, maybe that's not the right path to go down here. Maybe I don't need to create more super soldiers. Yeah. And it felt like in that moment, she would be on the right side with Falcon. She may put aside her mm-hmm. methods and maybe work with Sam and do things differently in that moment. Well, th- that's for it. For a second. <laughs> I, th- I mean, that's it. I, I think it's it's playing with the idea, I guess, that has increased um, over the last five, ten years, this idea of polarization. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's like, and polarization of views in that you see 
that in American politics where they can't work across the aisle type of thing or any kind of politics. Yeah. So you versus and, and, Xbox. And, yeah, or you see it, you know... <laughs> PlayStation the, versus Xbox, it, it, said Chris, just in case you didn't hear it. It's things. this idea <laughs> of not listening to other people in order to adjust and... And that that adjustment isn't some undermining of your principles. And mm. I, I think that's the thing. I think for me with Zemo, and it, it's not that I'm 100% sure on, on this yet, but coming to what Chris was saying there, I don't think he's entrenched. Yes, he has a clear thing to destroy the serums and he doesn't like super soldiers, but yeah. we do have a kind of a little kind of... L- glint into the fact that he recognizes that Steve Rogers was the one person that was maybe different yep. from the Red School, that he somehow managed to retain yep. his level-headedness, I guess, and where he came from, um, yep. that the Red School couldn't. Um, and I, I think you kind of, you see that. And I think also, the great question that Sam asks Zemo, which I don't think he answers, is, but what about Bucky? Because you're working with Bucky. Are you going to kill him at the end of all of this? Yeah. What's your view on Bucky? Because he is also has the super soldier aspect to him. Absolutely. And I love the fact that, the you know, potentially, yeah, Zemo has a way of doing things and he has a clear goal. But that's not to say necessarily that he will wipe all of the super soldiers out. Mm. He might not kill Bucky. But that the jury's out. I think it's just the question being posed by Sam is great. And he doesn't answer it. Exactly. And I wonder if that's just, well, I'm not going to tell you I'm going to kill Bucky whenever I get a chance. (laughs) You know, Uh, I think he expected that moment in in Civil War where he pits uh, Bucky and, and Steve versus uh, Tony Stark. I think he expected that moment to lead to the death of Bucky, the death of Steve, the death of Tony. He, I think he expected that whole battle to go down that way. So I don't think he was ever intending to keep Bucky alive. He's another super soldier that he's willing to take out. Uh, just want to bring in here, just in case you haven't seen uh, Captain America, the first Avenger in a long time. Um, just it's re- It is really important because this does come from that conversation with Zemo. It's really important to remember there were hundreds of possible possible candidates to become Captain America at the time. Um, Dr. Erskine, the person who came over from Germany with this serum, chose Steve Rogers, someone that did, couldn't even make it into the army. He'd failed the tests for the army multiple times, and he's the one given the serum to become Captain America because of his heart. But there were loads of other options that were available, and the army would have chosen anybody else other than Steve Rogers, effectively. Yeah. Um, it was only because Erskine pushed and said, we'll give it to him first, see how he works out. I still have loads of other serum. Don't worry. We can give it to somebody else if this doesn't work out and if it isn't the right choice. The army would have chosen somebody else, but then the serum got destroyed. So Steve was the only person that got the serum. So it is really important to to see that because we're seeing now other people taking the serum. We're seeing Carly and her team. We're seeing Bucky even taking the serum and we're seeing uh, Walker, as we'll talk about uh, later on in the episode, taking the serum now. None of those people are Steve Rogers, as Zemo calls out. There is only one Steve Rogers. What's, what's happening here is other people who don't deserve to become super soldiers are getting their abilities enhanced and it's not working. It's not a good idea for the world. So it does play into what Zemo does here. He's the one that shoots Carly when after that... Uh, conversation with Sam goes down 
uh, goes wrong because Walker breaks into the room in the middle of the conversation. Just when she's about to turn, it feels Walker breaks into the room. Carly gets away. Zemo instantly does what he will always do when, when given the opportunity. He takes down a super soldier. He shoots her, gets the serum on the floor, smashes all the serum, preventing any future creation of super soldiers almost um but that's that's zemo in a nutshell right there he's basically doing exactly what he said he would do you put a super yeah. soldier in front of me and i have a, I have a shot i'm going to take the shot yeah yep. exactly um yeah i think um i think that whole thing you know as i say it, zemo's just got that clear purpose yeah. um and i think that that little scene where he's going after carly maybe it'll be zemo that ultimately has something to do with the longevity of John Walker who mm-hmm. knows um and certainly um that conversation where he has a bit of admiration for Steve Rogers despite him yeah. um you know being a super soldier and you see that contrast between the two he's almost saying Steve is the exception to the rule yeah exactly. here's my rule everybody yeah. dies but Steve's already gone exactly. so it doesn't matter <laughs> um I, I love that that scene where we do see Zemo kind of smashing the vials and is essentially knocked to the floor by the shield mm-hmm. and fully out. And then you see Walker find that serum. Yeah. I have a question. I'm wondering, is there any other vials left? Was it just the one vial? Did Zemo steal a vial? Did he, because it's, he smashed a lot of them. I'm wondering if there's any other ones. Is it going to be like it rolls the camera pans back at mm. the end of episode six and in between we see this, we see someone go back into the darkness and find one blue vial. I think it'd be weird for Zemo to steal it because his purpose yeah. is to is to destroy all the vials. But we do have a quick uh, conversation between Nico, one of the flag smashers that we talked about earlier, and uh, and Carly, where he says he's gone back into the warehouse and all the vials are gone. So he doesn't even know about the one that was taken by Walker. Yeah. Of course, there's a possibility that somebody else got in there in between those two moments that Walker taking the vial and Nika going to check on uh, on the ones that were left behind. So it's possible that somebody else uh, has another vial out there. But I think right now, this story of having only one last vial and Walker's the one that takes it is, mm. is where they're where they're going in the show. It's the, the, the little girl. It's the little Turkish like girl. That's it. <laughs> She's taking the final vial of the set. Thirteen-year-old yeah. Captain America. Yeah. So this lands us essentially back in Zemo's hideout, his flat, his uh, his um, his home away from home in Riga, mm-hmm. uh, and it's we it, you get all these great conversations. Yeah, it's a, a really nice place that he has, and I think yeah. we mistakenly thought last episode that he was saying that he was going to meet somebody yes. in Riga, but it's actually just one of his apartments, one of his Safe house, extra yeah. places. Hey, he's got loads of places around the world. He's a baron. He's he's now rich. He is essentially the the, the Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. It's just like oh, I have a place in Riga. Oh, I have a place in Milan. Oh, I have a place in Berlin. Yep. Um, and I, I really enjoyed this. And then we do get we get Walker essentially slamming in the door him mm-hmm. and Battlestar and they they're purposely building John Walker as this just this despicable douche like he just he's the guy that you just like you're like why what the, the everything about you is antagonistic the way you talk the way you act like you're being talked down by your sidekick Battlestar like and we get then him and Sam going toe to toe essentially both verbal and physical, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Sam essentially owns uh, Walker verbally with that great quote, uh, which I'll let you guys say. It, it's absolutely great. I love that, yeah, Walker coming into the room, trying to tell them all, order them all to hand over Zemo and Sam saying, 
uh, the only thing you're running in this room is your mouth. <laughs> yes. And it does lead to, yeah, it, it leads to Walker, this kind of, we've seen him as the kind of the caged animal earlier on when he was told to wait just 10 minutes for Sam to have a conversation with Carly and you see him pacing back and forth, yeah. waiting to punch in the person he's supposed to punch because he's Captain America now. That's what he thinks Captain America's supposed to do. And here we see him, as you say, go toe-to-toe with Sam. He's got the shield in hand and then he puts it down and goes, oh, that'll make it fairer now, me versus you, mano a mano kind of thing. And then the Dora Milaje step in and we have, I think, one of the best fight sequences we've seen this season. And it's in a small room. The Dora Milaje are so good uh, with all of the tools they're using. It's yeah. it's so interesting to see them fight. Everybody gets involved eventually. But we do have those moments with, um, with Bucky standing back watching Battlestar and uh, and Walker go up against the Dora Milaje. Yeah. You can see him just kind of smiling, going, they don't even know what they're up against here. They think they can actually fight these guys. There's no way that's going to happen. Um, your shield is Vibranium. Well, guess what? So are their spears, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I really love the fight. I thought it was really cool, really reminiscent of the uh, casino battle in uh, in Black Panther. That was it. There you go. I couldn't place my finger on that. It was because it's in that it's that close quarters spear that Akoya uses in that scene, and that was it. I just mm. couldn't place my finger on it. Thank you. Like they're there they're, you they're go. doing the spinning around the neck exactly like yeah, did exactly. That scene. That yeah, yeah. Cool. yeah. It, it's an awesome, awesome fight. I love just how confident the Duramalaje are. You know, we have jurisdiction wherever effectively we need to have jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do not tell us, um, Captain America, what we can and can't do I, yep. I just loved it The f- and as you say the fight scene was awesome I love how the spear goes into that sort of column and then um, Ao pushes Captain America back and he bounces off it and the spear mm-hmm. just doesn't budge I, mm-hmm. I loved um, all of this I, I love the fact that you just gradually see you know Zemo's still drinking his cherry blossom tea <laughs> oh, or whatever it is and then it reminded me of Homer Simpson backing into the hedge, yep. um, you know, in that meme and where he's just kind of like into the bathroom, close, lock the door yep. um, and makes his escape. He's a sensible guy, Zemo. He certainly um, is. You would absolutely do that. Yep. Um, and as you say, everyone else in the end, it seems Sam and Bucky get involved to stop um Lamar and John Walker effectively being um, sort of beaten to a pulp, mm-hmm. I guess. And we see that Bucky's arm has got an off switch. Oh, <laughs> what I thought was really, really yeah. good. I, like, Did you yeah, know it could do like, that? No. It felt like something from, uh, from a, a, a Kung Fu movie. Yeah, uh, exactly. Kind of yeah. three-point yeah. touch and his arm falls off. <laughs> um, I love, you know, Sam kind of going... Uh, did you know that happened? <laughs> and poor Bucky not realizing that that's a possibility. But yeah, they're always going to put a little fail-safe switch in uh, those wonderful Wakandans. Uh, very smart. But the fight itself ending with the true Steve Rogers moment from uh, a member of the Dora Milaje where they uh, kick the shield into their arm. That really felt like, you want to, you want someone to hold the shield? We'll, we'll take the shield if you want us, you know? Uh, really cool. Little, little yeah. Moment. And I, I think, you know, it ultimately leads to John Walker's Ooh, yeah. ego being dented just that little bit more. You know, we had it with Sam giving him the verbal takedown and he's just had the physical takedown by the Dora Milaje. Um, you know, he goes, they weren't even super soldiers. Yep. You know, this is a guy who has been praised with purple heart has an idea that he is um uh you know celebrated certainly at least through the media with now that he's captain america um and 
there's just this this chip away in the back of his mind on his ego that he's in a sense out of his depth yeah. um and this has been proven twice in a very short space of time yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that's a, a nice little sort of degradation of, of who he is yeah. like and him trying to somehow process this exactly exactly uh awesome scene really like that fight i really like that talking down carly those two big moments from the episode uh just a quick one for bullet point four just talking a little bit about some of the other characters that are that are playing in around this uh, around uh, these scenes um carly contacting sarah um sam's sister and effectively threatening her kids mm-hmm. um making reference to the fact that she knows where she lives effectively you know we i'll go down to the dock behind your house um, if you don't uh, get Sam involved here, uh, you already mentioned the the conversation with them about uh, about whether Sam would work for this Captain America and Sarah kind of saying, "Well, the government don't care about us, so why would I care about their symbol from from Sarah?" Which I thought was really important. Yeah. Continuing on uh, the conversations that we've had uh, about about Sarah and, and their situation uh, throughout the season, I thought that was a, it was a good moment. But it is all about um, Carly trying to get Sam and Bucky separated from. Captain America and Battlestar having those two groups separated so she can talk to Sam one-on-one again and mm-hmm. the rest of her team can take out Walker and and uh, and Lamar. Um, yeah. What did you think about this one, Chris? The, the kind of the, this idea of what she's doing here, uh, separating them and threatening his family, threatening Sam's family. Uh, not great. No, this is the shorthand for me that from the writer's perspective to show, okay, Sam nearly brought her back, but she's gone. She mm. is no longer redeemable. She will be a villain. Like, I don't, she's basically crossing that unwritten rule line, which is you do not threaten to kill kids yeah. just to get what you want. Like, Sam reasonably takes it in a stride. He is pretty worried, but yeah. But when he says it to her and Carly's like, well, I wouldn't hurt them. I just wanted to see if I could trust you. And at least I was watching it going, but how does Sam know he can trust you? You literally called up his sister, yeah. told her that yeah. you've been watching her property and that we can get to you and your kids if we need to. Like that's a, that's a more significant threat than just yeah. calling her up and saying, I can get to you. She specifically said, we've been watching you basically. I guess uh, it yeah. does verify his intentions pretty quickly yeah. in that he meets her and doesn't immediately try to kill her. Exactly. Um, yeah. or, you know, take her into custody because, you know, Sam wouldn't kill her, I don't think. Um, and so like it does verify his intentions for her, which I think. I kind of also took as part of why she was doing this. It was to separate the two groups, Mm -hmm. but also, um, to get that, um, what Sam's intentions, because his previous talk with her was interrupted by John Walker. It's kind of, Oh, it's a trap, you know? So I think it's kind of both here. Uh, I mean, she does kind of say, I would never have gone after them, whether, we believe her. I don't know. At yeah. this it's like stage. saying she never, she'd never kill, and she just killed the GRC. Yeah, um, but it does bring in a really interesting conversation that she says was in that she says to Sam, "I would never kill you because you mean nothing to the controlling." governments the grc you're you're not this big player the symbol the Mm. taking down of the symbol is taking down captain america Mm -hmm. yeah but essentially from this we get a call from sharon to say 
that they 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 was split off. Like they they were split and they're going after Walker. Mm-hmm. Sharon has access to spy spy satellites. I love that. Yeah, that's in the call from Sam where he calls her up and says, uh, "Would you be able to help me out?" She says, "I might have access to two satellites." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we're going to have to talk about this really quickly, the theory that uh, that she is possibly the power broker yes. as we talked about last episode. There's just because of the way she's on that call with Sam and walking through a very heavily arm, armed guard area, um, there's not much there for this episode, but just because she's having that having that walk through while on the phone, everybody seems to know her. They're obviously protecting something very important there. It really does feel like that's the power broker's minions and they know Sharon very well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, she does say to Sam a line about um, the power broker wants his serum back um, from Carly and then Carly gets a message almost verbatim for what Sharon has said that he wants his serum back effectively. Yeah. So uh, it, it just is still pointing towards Sharon uh, potentially having taken over the role of uh, power broker in Madripoor. So yeah. uh, I just... I just I thought I thought that anyway when I watched the when I watched the scenes. John, anything? Yeah, no. There's yeah. a lot of indications here that, as you say, walking down the street with all the heavily armed uh, guys um, and being quite comfortable with it, mm-hmm. um, the access to satellites. Yeah. I mean, the, the, there's something more than just simply a um, you know a stolen art dealer yeah. here yeah. for sure. Um, Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it was also only on my second or third viewing uh, that I realized what was happening with the plan for Carly. There's just a weird moment where um, Falcon effectively jumps off to fly off to Walker when he gets that call from Sharon. And Bucky jumps off the side to follow Sam and is interrupted in midair by Carly punching him in midair and i was kind of going why is she doing that and it was only when i realized that that she was trying to keep them separate that's her role in this plan is to keep sam and bucky there and they were about to leave and go off so she was trying to stop that from happening but it just seemed really weird i was like why did she suddenly pounce in the middle of air to to take out bucky there oh right she's supposed to be keeping them here so that walker's an easier target for uh the rest of the flag smashers yeah yeah no i and it again looked great it was cool yeah now, the only thing that didn't look great in this episode is the scene directly after that when Bucky's running down the street and the they've clearly sped up the footage. It looks exactly like sped up footage. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. so they, this is the one. Remember, it was Wonder Woman 84? Right. Remember, she was running down, like, Washington, D.C., that main big avenue. Right. And they essentially had her on a wire running... And it was like her thing supposed to be like they, 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 she was running super fast, mm-hmm. like Wonder Woman speed. It just looks odd. And then we've seen it now when like Winter Soldier is going, uh, when Bucky's going after the van in what was it, episode two. Remember he like, it was just, it wasn't even human. It was just a CGI yeah. human kind of running and then jumping on a van or the truck. They just, it's that super speed, super soldier run. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever it is, it just, I can, I can watch a person fly. I can see someone <laughs> shoot webs. Yeah. I can see someone like fire, like blue blasts. All looks great. Yeah. Super speed running seems to be just the, <laughs> I'm just like, no, no. It was kind of like Benny Hill. Think, yeah. It, just it, it, like, I mean, it was just, it's kind of just the, the very, short steps but very very quick yeah. sort of you know um yeah it it didn't 
it didn't kind of quite work that well when yeah. he jumps down and then runs off down the street. It, yeah. it looked, yeah, as you say, it, it, they had sped up the footage or whatever yeah. they had done. It's it a cheap was technique. Like, yeah. oh. It's how the Flash would have made in the 80s. Uh, Uh, let's get on to our final bullet points um for the episode uh talking about walker and the shield i suppose it's kind of the it is the big moment i'm sure everybody's talking about uh, about this moment so let's talk about it ourselves uh it kind of kicks off from as as you mentioned earlier on john from walker and his feeling of other people being able to beat him constantly all of these super soldiers all these people with powers being able to beat him and then being beaten by somebody that doesn't have powers, that has better training than him, which was the one thing that he's constantly falling back on. He is a he is the best example of the army. He's the best example of training, overcoming everything, and the Dora Milaje beat him. Um, so we get a conversation between himself and Lamar, going for a coffee, having their discussion about uh, about who he is and whether he would have taken the serum and whether Lamar would have taken the serum if, if offered to him. Um and we get a little bit more insight here about who he is. We we had that uh, that scene from episode one where they reeled off all of his achievements, and we find there's a little bit um, of darkness maybe behind yeah. uh, him getting these three medals of honor. Um, he describes it as three medals of honor for the worst day of my life. Yeah, um, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, um, the th- the thing to remind him constantly of the three worst days of his life because of all the people that killed were killed um you know his his uh, fellow soldiers and stuff like that uh, that's what the way i was taking right, it right. Uh, you know just the general sort of disaster that they found themselves in yeah. for him to show that bravery or valor or heroic um a- actions right. i i guess yeah. but um see i wonder if it if it's that he got three medals of honor for doing or three badges of honor for doing specific missions that he was told to do by the government because that would play in again to this American army version of Captain America that is John Walker someone that did that followed what he was told to do effectively um but he feels bad about it you know what I mean I I took it as essentially he he killed he killed a lot Mm -hmm. basically it's the like it's that kind of okay his his crew was killed where his uh, his unit was killed, and he went on a killing spree. Okay. He basically took down the the insurgents, whatever you want to call it, right? And cleared that. Like basically, he survived an IED and basically did that. Like he yeah. he goes blind with rage, which we see later on. Which we certainly see even before he's taken the serum. He's yeah. he's gone blind at rage a few times in this episode. I wonder are we getting gonna get the traditional flashback episode where we'll see uh what it was that gave him those three badges of honor, uh next episode potentially. A little twenty minute slot in the episodes, uh showing who who Walker was in the army. Um that would be interesting to see, I think. I hope not. I hope what we get yeah. is just essentially in the next episode him being stripped down by the US government, disavowed by the US government, basically going like they take out his file. John Walker, like the we did this, like look what you did previously. Mm. We thought this was behind you. We gave you the Medal of Honor. Blah yeah. blah blah. You are no longer and they rip the A off his chest kind of thing. <laughs> it's like you no longer deserve the shield. You do no longer you are not Captain America. Right. And that's the step too far for him. Because essentially he what what I take from this and taking more and more, his feelings of inadequacy is what drives him. He yeah. feels he must be the best of the best. Yep. He must be 
the, the, the top peak physical human, as we hear from the MIT studies. Mm-hmm. He wants to be studied all the time. He's the best officer. He's the be- he wants to be the best Captain America. And all that we're seeing and all he's seeing is everyone saying, well, you're not Captain America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, he, his idea is why take a knife to a gunfight? You know, he's, he's coming up against the flag smashers with, that have the serum coursing through their veins. He's dealt with just, I guess, better trained people uh, with the Dora Milaje mm-hmm. and um, sort of certainly more wittier people through, with <laughs> Sam. Yep. Uh, and all of it is just his insecurities about maybe mm-hmm. how good he is, plus the whole mantle of Captain America sort of yeah. weighing him down. I mean, it's interesting we get Bucky sort of making the observation that there's something wrong with Walker. Yeah. As you say, there's a lot of moments where he's kind of gets lost in his own thoughts, and you can see that um, throughout this episode. Yeah. But even so, the moment when, when Bucky's trying to block him from going in on that conversation with Sam and Carly, where he just looks at Bucky goes, because it must be so easy for you with that serum running through exactly. your veins. You know, he's got that real anger and aggression within him. I would also say, in terms of anger and aggression, um, you wouldn't want him to be a dinner guest at your house because he kicks so many doors in. <laughs> I mean, if I was Zemo in that apartment, I'd be saying, uh, right, the bill's going to the US government Absolutely. or something. Could you use your hand to open a door? <laughs> yeah, it's like everything is... <laughs> I must smash this door open. I mean, even like that ornate door uh, as he's going after the flag smashers here in this final kind of big scene mm-hmm. Um I was like going, I hope that was a prop, that it wasn't the actual <laughs> door of this fairly ornate building, uh, I guess. But um, yeah. yeah, it was like smashy, smashy, Captain mm-hmm. America, um, you know, brings a sledgehammer to crack a nut, basically. Yeah, Speaking of smashy, smashy, Battlestar is broke. Yes, the Cylons have got him. Yeah, like, like this is when you talk about bringing a gun to a knife fight. Yeah, well, this is kind of what happens when a normal human being goes up against superpowered individuals. Mm-hmm. But he had nothing. He didn't have wings, vibranium tipped wings, or anything like that. Like Sam, he's not trained like Sam. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, he gets he gets thrown into that pillar with some force by Carly. Carly. Um, and yeah, I I I didn't think they'd kill him. I I, mm-hmm. I I thought like essentially that was his he's out and his back is broken or blah 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 blah. Yeah. But when you you think about it, yeah, no, if you're thrown with that force in your neck, yeah, like yeah. that is your trigger moment. There is a there is a bit about this fight which is like it's a great fight. I love you know the call out from uh, from Walker that this why is there so many knives in this room yeah. and everybody attacking each other? But there is a thing about this fight where if you think about it, apart from uh, Sam. And Lamar, everybody else in that room is superpowered. Everybody else in that room right then has taken the super soldier serum and they're punching each other and it's escalating. The punches and the, and the fighting is getting stronger and stronger. Uh, Lamar got captured uh, when going in and we see him doing that awesome move where he's able to cut himself out of the, uh, out of a yeah. full hog tie basically is what he has. Yeah. Uh, and I thought it was interesting just to point it out. It's the uniform that he's wearing that has a, knife in the right place for him to be able to cut his hands out of uh, the <laughs> situation he's in. And I think that's really smart. It would make sense that that's how you would build uh, your uniform to, to conceal weapons to let yourself be cut out. But yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. It was a bit of a shocker. Again, a comic book character. Uh, Battlestar is the partner of uh, US agent in the comic books, John Walker. So um, a bit of a surprise that we do have him killed here, but it shows consequences for everybody. And there is kind of that moment of um, 
I don't know, a bunch of 15-year-old teenage gangs beating each other up and then suddenly something really bad happens and everybody runs away. Because <laughs> yeah. it is, it's Carly is trying to hit Walker. Lamar gets in the way, doing the hero thing, trying to stop her from from hitting Walker and then he gets thrown against the wall, back cracked yeah. and he's and he's gone. Um, and everything just stops in that moment. Um, yeah. I thought it was, it was a really good moment because the battle has gone on for a while beforehand, but it, it does feel a little bit like a teenage fight, as I say, everybody runs away. <laughs> And then we get the everyone's away. Walker jumps out that window. Oh yeah, he goes full on superhero landing. That was a that's a cap scene, isn't it? That's a, yeah. that is a Captain America jump through the window, land on the car, and kind of stand up. It's not it's not like exactly like the superhero landing. It is a it is a Captain America landing, but with the tension of the music underneath. It's a total change in tone that yeah, you would expect yeah. from from Steve Rogers' Captain America, leading to him uh, to. Walker ca- catching up with Nico again, uh, one of the I, Yeah, I thought this was absolutely phenomenal. The Captain America landing um, with the shield, um, but just the contrast with that sinister strings being played, which I just felt had hints of the Winter Soldier mm-hmm. theme, which is, yeah. you know, is electronic, it's like a hollow, like a wind noise of the, the strings sort of building and building mm. in a sinister way. But it felt hollow in that, you know, John Walker was the outfit, but is not, it's not Captain America, um, Captain America yep. in the same way that Steve Rogers was. Um, and I, I thought that was just so good. Just having that kind of, I guess, like a, you know, winter soldier theme just mm-hmm. changed or yeah. i guess a, a, a super soldier theme or a bad super soldier theme um i thought was like amazing yeah i thought it was really cool yeah because you just know it's building and as he runs after him and it, it's just gradually building until he he you know takes him down with the shield um at that fountain yeah. uh, with the shield to the back. And then, you know, he just loses the plot and his rage overtakes him. Yeah. Um, and you just have bludgeoning. It's bludgeoning yeah. with the shield in front of everyone. And, and I, just it's the whole just the, crowd the, watching on, oh, yeah. filming it on their, on their camera phones as, you know, as everybody does. Let's not intervene. Let's just film it on our camera phones so we can stick it on the internet afterwards. But you could absolutely tell that image of Walker as he picks up the shield covered in blood. That image is going wild. It's, that's yeah. going, going to go wildfire across the world. This is absolutely as the title of the episode, the whole world is watching. This is the end of his career as a substitute Captain America. Um, and it feels like, I suppose that's part of John Walker's character. When you're in the army, there's things that you have to do. Um, generally not shown to the world, um, but going ultra-violent effectively. So when he's in a war zone, that may have been something that he's doing, but he's in the middle of a square here uh, in a normal town, everybody else going about their business, and now it's broadcast around the world effectively. But um, I did notice one one thing throughout these scenes, that Walker had a, a drip of blood coming out from underneath the mask the whole yeah. time. Um, yeah. which just felt really, uh, it felt really different. Uh, we've mentioned before that Disney Plus doesn't generally have blood on their TV shows. And throughout this season, it seems to be getting bloodier and bloodier as the episodes go on. They've been involving more and more blood. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of seems to be over for John Walker's Not My Captain America. Yeah. Like he's, he's buried his career much like he buried the shield in, in, in Nico. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's interesting. Like, 
I didn't think this is how they'd go about it, like essentially making him the villain. But this is what they've done. They they mm. they are showing this evil. Evil's wrong. They, yeah, it's the loss of control, I guess. Exactly that. It is the the I say anti cap is not. It's just this 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 is what happens when you have someone as power. This is the whole thing. Is that this is what happens when you have all these super powered individuals yeah. without control? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Like it's. And bringing guns to a knife fight, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess as well, it's really interesting take. You know, he has been put as this hero in Captain America in terms of taking Steve Rogers' place, you know, like we saw earlier on in the series. And there's this idea that he's a hero because he's been given three purple hearts. And it, it, it comes back to this idea of, you know, you don't see those covert operations. You don't know what happens. Exactly. Who may be the collateral damage in that? Who may be the, 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 the fallen comrade and, and soldier, uh, by John Walker's side? You know, it comes back to this idea of, you know, remembering the three worst days of, uh, my, my life through these purple hearts. But, People with purple hearts would be courageous heroes. You know, it's that kind of idea of being commemorated it for valor and service above and beyond yeah. what you would normally do. And you wonder what were the hard, messy choices that exactly. had to be done in that time to survive that encounter, that yeah. situation, uh, which is kind of coming back to the point right at the start and here it's on display it's also because he's lost control and because of the situation the death of his friend yeah. effectively um but it it's complete loss of control and whilst in you know a remote mountain pass in afghanistan that wouldn't be seen here it's in the middle of a square in, in riga and yeah. you know that final image where again it's it's the shot from below to give that heroic imposing feel of captain america mm -hmm. with the shield and with the bottom part of it dripping in blood yeah. is just like a great subversion of that whole iconography i guess yeah, of absolutely. what captain america is that um, was your cover that was your cover of a comic book that is yeah. literally the the captain america covered in blood with a, a bloody shield and it's, it's still the, dripping it's the hydra cap cover the yes. bad captain america right yeah. there if you if you didn't need it more clearly they even have nico going but it wasn't even me that did that yeah before he dies um he yeah. even calls out when being beaten by the shield it wasn't even me that did that so uh, this is not our Captain America, I think I called it out in episode two. This is the Captain America you're supposed to hate before real Captain America comes back. A different yeah. Captain America comes back. So, uh, so they have set this up throughout the season. That's kind of it for our points uh, for the episode. Any particular notes uh, that you guys want to talk about? The only one that's popping into my head is just for the first time in this episode, I could really see Wyatt Russell, who plays, uh, who plays Walker. I could really see Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. Uh, there's a moment when he's talking to Oya from the Dora Milaje where he really is embodying Kurt Russell. Uh, it really yeah. feels like something from Big Trouble in Little China, uh, or from, uh, for, from any of his, yeah, his 80s movies. So, uh, so it, it just suddenly popped into my head. I know we talked about him being Kurt Russell's son before, but suddenly I was able to see the connection between the two of them as actors. It was quite funny to see on screen. Yeah. Um, the only thing for me was, and don't shoot me, but, um, I thought the funeral of Mama, Donya and 
that whole thing was kind of really kind of nicely done. I, I think, um, like there was part of me that was when this felt more meaningful than Tony Stark's, which was kind of <laughs> like, you know, as it was kind of like this little water feature being pushed out onto the lake. And then it was just like, look at all the superheroes as the camera yeah. kind of moves back towards the house. But it, like, it felt more emotive yeah. than yeah. the Tony Stark one. And I felt, I th- thought that it was really weird that I kind of got that feeling at mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. Um, well, there's a reputation there for you're right from the conversation from Carly where she's saying that she adopted Carly after she lost her family and did the same for many of the other people in the room. So we were trying to work out what it was about, you know, the title that she's got, Mama Danya, is actually, she is their mother. She is their adoptive mother. It's not just. Uh, a nice phrase that you call somebody a, a pet name. It is that she was mother to a lot of people in the group. In the group, but you're right, John. It is a a really good scene. Um, can we also just call out uh, Zemo and his uh, and his Turkish delight um, mm-hmm. and uh, enticing the children? Uh, yeah, it was a bit weird in that area. That was a bit weird, definitely. Uh, yeah. uh, very, very odd. I'm not a fan of Turkish delight anyway, but. The feeling I got from him was like Varys, uh, a character from Game of Thrones who is who gets the children of the city to uh, bring him all of his information. Um, it's just a little weird having this guy walk into the centre of a courtyard with loads of children and a bag of sweets, sing a song to them and bring them all towards him and then go whisper in my ear, little children. Just feels a bit weird from Zebra. Well, no, I didn't take it like that. I, I just took it as Varys, um, and that Zemo just took a different approach to trying to get the, the intel, mm-hmm. which was, you know, bribery. It was bribery. That's all it was with sweet Turkish delight for kids that are hungry yeah, yeah. and running low on supplies and effectively kind of, you know, his whole conversation with them was, I've come to pay my respects. So it was pure manipulation, but to purely get intel. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I saw this more as a Varys type approach with his network of little sparrows yeah. in Game of Thrones. It's just this was, and he was far more successful at finding out where Carly was Absolutely. than Sam or, um, Bucky. And it was guessed that he, he understands the idea that, you know, children, have eyes and they can be just as good a source of intel. Yep. Yeah. I didn't but find kids, anything weird. Yep. But kids don't take sweets from strangers. Uh, Chris, any final oh, notes from this episode? I endorse that uh, message. That Turkish delight should have been off. Like, unless he has someone, um, going in restocking his things. Do you know that's entirely possible? Maybe barons do that, that they, uh, that they send people in to, <laughs> to uh, like, replenish their stocks of yeah. Turkish delight. Yeah. He does have a Learjet, so I guess... It's he true, can, but yeah. he does call out to his butler that if any of it on the smell test is off, give it to the rest of them. Any of the food in the plane. Yeah. That's but right. not yeah. the Turkish delight. I guess Turkish delight is so well-preserved with the amount of sugar in mm. it, <laughs> it's probably mm. all right. Um, it's just the fact that it's Turkish delight, I guess. Yeah, awful. And now I um, now I want a Turkish delight. <laughs> That's it for our discussion about the episode of Falcon the Winter Soldier, episode four. The world is watching. Chris, do you defend this episode of Falcon the Winter Soldier? Yes, straight up. Like I'm not going to bury the lead like Walker buried the shield. Um, it was everything I want. It has that additional. It has that level of writing, that emotion, that empathy, that. The direction, the cinematography, the fight scenes, it, it just has it all. It had 
Falcon back in his suit. It had superpowers. It's why I love the MCU, but it's also why I'm starting to so much love the MCU on Disney Plus because we're getting these deeper, more compassionate, these well written stories where in one of the films, usually these stories have to be finished in two hours and a half. Yeah. Now we're getting up to five hours, six hours of or just below of these deep deep globetrotting superhero romps mm-hmm. that makes you to talk about okay is it is there a supremacy to take a super soldier serum is that is it that it, it may it does make you think and it also makes you the whole killmonger uh, analogy is like are sometimes these villains actually their motives are right but sometimes their actions are wrong yeah, it does make you question those things, and that's why I absolutely defend and love this episode. Also, I just can't wait two two more episodes. Like, I think I know where it's end going. I think, but I, I, right now they they are going to take me. I'm just I'm I'm on the river. I'm mm-hmm. gently following the, the. We're about to go to the rapids, but I'm gently following the river. Excellent. John, do you defend this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode four? Oh, absolutely. Um, I give this five Turkish delights out of five. Wow. Um, I really enjoyed this episode. It, it was this whole thing of, you know, what it is to be a hero mm-hmm. uh, and where does that line lie, uh, when you know, you stop being that hero. Um, and I just loved the, the whole thing around this about symbols, about, you know, approaches to an adversary in Carly, you know, Sam being very diplomatic, coming at it from a sympathetic or empathetic point of view, you know, what trying to understand her motives and trying to sort of stop her using violent means to, to her ends were, you know, contrasted with john walker where it's you know bro force approach of <laughs> uh smashy smashy yeah. um and just um you know having to use total force in everything yeah. um and just then with the hero thing seeing john walker um, you know, he didn't start off as a bad guy, but you see the weight of what this uniform, what this symbol, what this iconography has done to him, seeing him sort of losing his confidence, being feeling humiliated, having his ego sort of gradually uh, knocked down a peg or two. And of course, all of this is being flagged by Zemo ultimately in his conversations about, you know, what it means to be a superhero and it's just so well done. I mean, I'm absolutely loving Daniel Bruhl as Zemo. I, yeah. I, to me, like, he feels like the sort of this voice in my head sort of asking these sort of tough questions. But I don't, his motives are, you know, is, is he, he's saying these to, you know, unsettle and disrupt Sam and Bucky. You know, what's his relationship with Bucky ultimately when all of this plays out will he try and kill him because he's a super soldier is he that principled um and I I just think it's all this episode fantastically interesting from that point of view and that final scene with the red on the shield um you know is just so iconic as well and and just that different version effectively 
in Carly's mind, this is what she was talking about previously. Um, this idea that the shield is a symbol of a bygone era, and um, both because it's a shield, I guess, but also um, seeing it being wielded and bloody. Um, I, I guess the interesting thing as well, and the final thing for me was like the death of Lamar. I think it it needed that for that trigger effectively it, it ultimately this is um this is john walker's trigger protocol <laughs> like the winter mm-hmm. soldier is that he's lost a, a a good friend confidant and comrade um yeah. in his unit and this was his trigger word and i i thought or oh, trigger action but i think as well the fact that lamar you know not being superhuman yeah. you know we've talked about it a lot where well if I wasn't superhuman and I had a vibranium shield chucked at my head, the likelihood is I'm going to die. Yeah. And in the same way, the force that he connects with that stone pillar um, is most likely going to crush his and break his spine yeah. uh, to the point where he, he's dead. And like that is actually kind of a really important point in itself yeah. that these and again and don't bring comes, a non-super soldier to a super soldier fight yeah, yeah. exactly and it, it, it points back to what zemo is saying around that path to being a superhero or super soldiered i guess is the idea of superiority yeah. and it's shown in that physical act that carly knows she's better physically than lamar but doesn't hold back. She still launches him at that post. Yeah. And um, so I, I absolutely thought this was a fantastic episode yeah. of uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And yeah, five Turkish delights out of five. Excellent. Derek, do you defend this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yeah, I love the structure of this episode. Really love this episode. Totally defend it. The, the idea that on the surface it is about the descent of Walker into uh, this villainous turn towards the end of the episode, or this really aggressive turn uh, towards the end of the episode, is kind of the overarching part of it, and and can seem like the main theme of the episode. What we also get below that in the show, which is Falcon and Winter Soldier, we get clearly the change to the Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier no longer exists. We get that at the beginning of the episode. I think that's a, a great opener for us. And then what we really get in the episode is why Sam should be Captain America. We see what yeah. kind of hero Sam is, a person who's willing to sit down and talk with a terrorist to try and convince them to no longer be a terrorist is the right kind of hero, right? It's not someone that's going to walk into a room and punch somebody in the face uh, until they bleed and die. Um, we get a real hero here in Sam, and I think it's it's the right uh, it's the right setting for this show now. Uh, six episodes in, I thought it was such such a well written episode and such a great episode. And having the Dora Milaje fight in there was so good. Really, really great uh, uh, scenes having them in there. There's talk of a, a, a series set in Wakanda uh, as another show coming to Disney Plus in the future. Totally in for that. Want to see Dora Milaje in more missions uh, in the future outside of just. Black Panther 2, I think they're, they're cool characters. So, uh, so seeing, seeing them outside of Wakanda again is awesome. Absolutely. I should say the two fight scenes for me were amazing mm-hmm. with the Dora Milaje in Zemo's apartment and also seeing Sam again using his suit and his wings, yep. um, to take on the super soldiers. You know, unlike Lamar, you know, he has 
additional appendages in yeah. the the jetpack and the wings yeah. uh, that he needs to kind of bring that parity with the super soldiers but i liked how he uses them again like yeah. he kind of does the clothesline with the wings yeah, uh, so yeah. I, I love know. that little engine burn he does yeah that was cool one, as well. one of the guys that's attacking him really cool that's it for our defense uh before we get on to our feedback and there's lots of great feedback coming up uh john let's go over to the pub and get the pub quiz question for this week's episode an easier one this week i think well yeah Let's see. <laughs> um, yes, fellow quizzers, fellow defenders, question four from this week's episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The question is, what is the final trigger word in the Winter Soldier's activation protocol? Oh, very good. I've been started to be with Sebastian Stan, who was saying that people walk up to him in the street and say the Winter Soldier activation words to him in the street, thinking they're being very funny. And he's like... What do you want me? What, what do you want to happen here? Do you want me to turn into the Winter Soldier and punch you, or, or do you? Or is that what you expect to happen here? Uh, really funny, but uh, but do you want to give the question one more time, John? Yes. What is the final trigger word in the Winter Soldier's activation protocol? And you can send in your answers to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. And of course, as we've mentioned before. Um, there are three Funko Pops of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So, Falcon, yes. Winter Soldier, Baron Zemo are the three Funko Pops we have available. Yeah. Uh, just email us into feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop on over to the website tvpodcastindustries.com. There's a, a page on there that has all the questions from each of the episodes so far in case you missed any. Excellent. Let's get on to feedback. As I mentioned earlier on, we got a first piece of feedback is from Matthew Murdoch, um, who has sent in some thoughts about the score and the opening scene. Here's Matt's thoughts. Matt here again. I was so gut punched with emotion in that first scene that I literally had to pause and just sit there for like five minutes because it was such a great character moment. Something that we really needed to see. I didn't realize we needed to see it, but we totally needed to see it. And as usual, one of the things that I always point to to make emotional moments like this so much better than they would be just by themselves without any score is the score. First of all, let me just say that the fact that they included some of Ludwig's score from Black Panther, or at least some of the themes from there uh, with the Wakanda stuff, that was f absolutely fabulous. But the way this piece of music for this big scene with Bucky worked for me was the fact that there was so much tension in it because you never really got away from the root of tonality being in every chord. And then the chords got bigger. The bottom got lower. The top didn't really get too much higher, but the complexity of the chord within got bigger. It's almost like Bucky is reaching within himself in order to find the courage to resist the words. 
And that was just an amazing moment. And, and the score really helped it. There was a, a lot of tension, as I said, in it because one note went with every chord. There, and that was the note that centered everything home. This note. And the shape sounding bigger was a result of the bass line going down and the top not really changing. But that's still made for bigger spaces, which, again, I think represents going deep within yourself, at least for this particular scene. But just to look at the shape, it sounds like this. And the third thing that made it, of course, so beautiful is the fact that it's so drawn out and that these shifts that happen make every chord count, just like every moment that Bucky is able to resist count. Anyway, super enjoyed this episode. This feels like a five-hour-plus movie that they're making here. Just one long, stringed movie, and I love it. Hope you guys enjoyed it, too. Take care. Thank you so much, man, for that. Yeah, um, first of all, I love having your feedback, your voicemail feedback on the music and the breakdown of it, because agreed with you, I I didn't take the break during the Winter Soldier scene, but it's still one of my most favorite aspects of that opening uh, or any opening and yeah this five-hour film it's just amazing um I, I can't wait to see more yeah thanks so much uh matt um i love uh the thoughts on on the tunes um that you give um and yeah I, that whole opening scene just was filled with so much um emotion that internalized struggle um and it it's hearing about how the score kind of draws that out as well um is is great and um, i also like the the little wakandan snippets as well through um when the dormelage uh show up in, in the hmm. scenes as well just as that little um sort of thematic nod to wakanda absolutely it really does have that kind of feeling once you hear that little that little beat, uh, that feeling that this, that one of the Wakandas is going to come on screen is always really, really cool. Thanks so much for that, Matt. Uh, we also got an email in from Jimmy Urin called Feedback at Last. He says, hi, guys. Great to be back and listening to your podcast. After arriving somewhat late to the Disney Plus party, I'm working my way through WandaVision to dodge any potential spoilers. A quick word on that show first. Two of the Avengers I had least interest in from both films and comics. Recreating sitcoms I had mostly never watched gave me fairly low expectations of the show, but I have to say I was pleasant surprised and ended up binging most of the 25 minutes episodes i particularly enjoyed Catherine Hans performance but enough about that show on to falcon the winter soldier being honest i was not sure how i how well falcon the winter soldier would go either these two characters having had fairly limited time on their own in the past but of course i should have had more faith in marvel going by the first half of this season other than that spectacular opening scene which was more impressive than most movie finales i did find episode one a little bit slow as interesting as it is to see inside the real lives of B-list superheroes. Some of the boat and bank scenes felt a little slow for a six-episode season, but perhaps they will pay off as the season continues. Really not liking the look of New Cap, although I'm not. I'm sure that is the general idea. Getting the two leads together in episode two really stepped things up for me, adding some fun interplay, especially that face-to-face psych session, which was loads of fun and showed both characters' range of comedy. Whenever I think about Marvel military PTSD-type stories, it inevitably takes me to the Punisher and John Bernthal's incredible performance, so it did make me wonder about a potential future cameo one can only wish. 
But for me, episode three was where it really started to ramp up, with a range of locations to rival the Bond movie, a delightful Hannibal-style role for Zemo, which can only go one way in the long run, and some absolute ass-kicking from Sharon Carter, who seemed to have plenty of secrets of her own. Sprinkle in a Wakanda teaser at the end, and who knows where this will go next. Really looking forward to episode four now. I have not caught up yet with the later pods, but I'm looking forward to getting my quiz answers in soon. Thanks, Jimbo. Excellent. Great to hear from you, Jimmy. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Given that the director of the show, Carrie Scoglin, did work on the Punisher series, will she call out to uh, John Pernthal to come back for an episode here? Uh, a suggestion that he possibly was the shooter in Madripoor um, last episode, that he was the the person at the, at the sniper, that we did that we weren't sure whether it was Sharon Carter. There's been some suggestions that maybe that was John Bernthal uh, over on a mission uh, in the in Madripoor um on his own as the Punisher, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome, um, then- <laughs> for sure. Uh, I mean, it's, yeah, it's possible. It's Anything fun is speculation. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It probably won't be, but yes. I like um, I like the idea, because absolutely, I, the Punisher, at least, you know, his army pass does, mm. you know, fit to some degree into uh, this this series, or the you know the military element and PTSD element of, of this series for sure, um, and uh, we hope, uh, uh, Jim, that you really liked episode four as much as we did, mm-hmm. um, because I think uh, whilst they don't stray too far, uh, they're still in Latvia uh, in this episode. It does take you on an absolute roller coaster uh, of a rise mm-hmm. uh, around uh, Captain America for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I do like the idea that John Bernthal, but it's just, it's a fun idea because yeah. if he comes back, Fine. then you've got Charlie Cox and all of them to come back, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> that would be awesome. Hey. I yes. think it's only Daredevil that can take down John Walker. <laughs> yes, <That would> be <laughs> just a random Billy Club comes in uh, <laughs> off screen. We also got an email from Jerry with the subject line, John Walker, war criminal? (laughs) Hey guys, the repercussions of the episode are tremendous for the MCU. John Walker has taken the super soldier serum and has become unhinged as the world watches on. The United States will spin this as Walker stopping a terrorist. Mm -hmm. We learn that John Walker may have been a war criminal for the things he's done in the past. Will John Walker survive by the end of the show? Or will we see Zemo kill him to protect Sam? Jerry in Niceville. Thanks for the email, Jerry. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I think the opposite. I think the United States are going to s- just basically cut all ties with Walker. Disavow. Disavow. Mm-hmm. He, he's gone off ranch, off reservation. Yeah. Um, because they, they, essentially it's the, essentially the, 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 the title of the thing, the world watching on. And this is the type of thing, the, the brutality of the United States yeah. of, of their, their symbol in Captain America. They cannot have him being bloodied, um, literally, um, by someone else. So, yeah. uh, I, I think I like the idea that the, the, they try and spin it as him, but I, I think it's more the opposite. I think they're going to end up disavowing. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because he's also taken the super soldier serum, I guess, without any, um, authorization exactly. from yeah. his, his superiors, yeah. unless there was something, you know, in the, that they said, if you go on this mission, if you get the opportunity, take it. But I mean, we don't know that. So at the moment, it, it <laughs> just seems like he has effectively broken orders. Yeah. Um, and so even that, I guess, is 
some court martialable type of offense. Exactly. Um, you know, so yeah, yeah be really, um, it's really interesting. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. And much like Bucky has his list of people he has to apologize to, I think this just put Walker onto Zemo's list of people he has to kill. Oh, not mm-hmm. another super soldier <laughs> now that I have yeah. to add to my list to kill. So whether it will be to protect Sam or not, I think Zemo ha- will have him in his, in his sights uh, now uh, as the episodes go on. Thanks so much, Jerry. Uh, next email in from Chloe Kalstad, who says, Hello, Captain America is officially a supervillain. I loved how Sam went to talk with Carly instead of using force first. We need more of that in real life. But then attention seeker wannabe Captain America ruined it. I thought there was uh, would be something more with, with the candy that Zemo gave the kid because who takes candy from some random guy singing a creepy song? I'm still curious about Sharon and what she is actually a part of. I wish the episodes were longer. Doesn't seem like Captain America or John got the kind of attention he wanted. Also, hope you read my previous email because I forgot to send it last Friday uh, from Chloe Cordero. Uh, Chloe, thanks so much for sending in uh, your feedback. I did get your email uh, on Saturday just after we recorded, so I uh, unfortunately couldn't put it in to, uh, to the episode, but uh, really good to hear your thoughts about this episode. Yes, thank you so much, Chloe, for that. Um, yeah, Captain America's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Thanks, Chloe. Um, definitely, um, he didn't get the attention he, he wanted mm-hmm. and he's he's literally thrown his shield out of his cot and into the face of a relatively innocent person in in Nico. Definitely, yeah, much more you innocent know? even than Carly. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, a little absolutely. shout out to uh, the Fantastic Geek podcast and actually their listeners because they've been coming up with other names for Captain America, like Captain Faux America and Captain B America, which is one of my favorites uh, for it. So you don't have to call him Captain America because he's definitely not Captain America there. And now he's Captain Killer. He's the US agent. Yeah. And I forgot about the creepy song, actually. It was Bob Our Black Sheep, wasn't it? It was. Um, yeah. Yes. I didn't realise that was creepy because it just, I just feels remember... creepy because he's walking up with a bag of sweets yeah, to children. It's I, I just yeah. I remember having that sang to me as a kid. I guess it's some kind of precautionary tale about <laughs> something or other. You know, it's kind of in the same way as nursery rhymes and what have you. I don't know. Baba black sheep. Have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's it. No cautionary tale. No, just a couple, of, just a couple just, of rhyming couplets. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Uh, our next piece of feedback comes in from Eric Zaid. He says, another great episode. I love the week by week release schedule, but oh man, do I wish I could get to the next episode right now. Just wanted a couple, toss out a couple of ideas for you. Um, John did cut that guy's head off, right? Not a good look. A very heavy-handed way to telegraph the full heel turn by Marvel, but effective. Also, I couldn't help but notice the similarities between Zemo and the White Witch from Narnia. Turkish delight, bribery, sewing division with kids. That was a really creepy scene. Finally, my theory on the power broker was Sharon, but on a rewatch... I'm sure it's Zemo. Anyone who dances like that does so with the confidence that everyone there works for them. Just kidding. I'm sure it's Sharon. <laughs> Thanks for the show, Eric. I, the memes about the dance from uh, from Zemo have been fantastic all week. Uh, they, re- they released a full hour-long clip yeah. over on YouTube. If you didn't get to see it, go check it out on YouTube. It is literally just a longer version of the scene we saw in the episode. It's about 45 seconds, looped for an hour, and it's hilarious. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Eric. Um, yeah, I certainly um, just thought he had probably caved in uh, the Flag Smasher's head rather than decapitated him. But I guess both... Um, yeah, both aren't really a very good look either. 
because I, you know, maybe I guess it's a bit too far for his head to kind of roll down the steps, you know, kind of a la French revolutionary guillotine type thing. I don't think we were going to see that on screen. No, I don't think so either. But yeah, thanks, Eric, for the feedback. Parthenia Locklear, her email says, I had a lot of little complaints throughout this episode, but none of that mattered once the last 20 minutes played through. Loved the Dora Milaje coming through and kicking butt. I kept that PG. <laughs> I saw that coming. They kicked the cockiness right out of New Cap. But hey, Sam warned him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh my, and the beautiful touch of death that she gave his arm. She brought the wolf down to a pup and put him in his place. Mm-hmm. Even <laughs> Absolutely. Eject button here. <laughs> Even though Carly has clearly crossed the line and there's no turning back, the writing still makes you understand her struggle and her goal. I thought the scene with Carly and Sam was great. Very well written. Mm-hmm. Walker losing his partner, well, that was inevitable. They clearly needed something to push him over the edge. And he was already struggling with the jealousy, the hate, his insecurities. He was a ticking time bomb. I do hate that his partner had to die that way. I liked his character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was kind of, I think Lamar was kind of the, the, the good angel on John Walker's shoulder, really, uh, to some extent. So I think, uh, definitely agree there, Parthenia. Parthenia continues, this ending was wicked and I loved every minute of it. I knew that he was going to go a little mad, but I did not think he was going to shield him to death. Mm -hmm. But gotta love the imagery, the blood all over the shield. He's definitely no Steve Rogers and the serum showed exactly who he really was. And I think Carly knows she is mucked up. I think this was my favourite episode so far. I think this is the first episode that has me feeling excited for what's next. Mm. Good stuff. Okay, guys, take care. And no one asked me, but yes, I do defend this episode. Excellent stuff, Parthenia. Uh, So glad that you defend this episode. Yeah, I mean, it is... I I actually think it's kind of iconic what they... I mean, I know we've had this stuff in in the the comics um and these stories you know this is where they're taking their inspiration from but uh you know for the mcu verse um whether it's in film on tv this is a really uh iconic um just last 20 minutes i i guess with what happened and it it built so so well uh as well so yeah completely agree there parthenia absolutely thanks so much parthenia for your feedback yes thank you so much parthenia and yes we will always ask do you defend don't worry always now boys let me head on over to facebook for some feedback where first up we have heather wallace who had this to say from the title, I had a feeling Walker would be exposed, but that final shot was so shocking. Mm. On a lighter note, Zemo liking Turkish delight endears him to me even more. <laughs> Between his dancing and tasting and sweets, he may be my perfect man. <laughs> Love it. Heather, come on, he's a killer. You, you gotta <laughs> aim higher. Heather goes on to say, I really like that the Turkish Delight is also a subtle nod to his- history geeks like me, that the Balkans has been a constant site of shifting borders and conflict for hundreds of years. Austria annexing the Balkans from the Ottoman Empire was one of the s- stepping stones to World War I. Mm. Having the action in this part of the world reinforces what the Flag Smashers are fighting for. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah, and 
I did not know any of that regarding the Ottoman Empire. So thank you for uh, being a history geek, like giving us this additional information that makes a lot more sense now. The 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 locale and the choice for Latvia. Yeah, I, I have a feeling Turkish delight is kind of maybe the marmite of sweets. Um, yeah. Either you really really like it, or you don't. Um, <laughs> it's kind of. It's not a boiled sweet and it's not chocolate and it, it it's it kind of is a weird jelly. But yeah. if you cover it in chocolate, you get cabbage tur- Turkish delight, That's which true. is amazing. Yes, that is true. Actually. We are yeah. not sponsored by Cadbury's Turkish delight, unfortunately. Uh, thanks so much for that, Heather. Uh, John Bucket, also over Facebook, says that final shot. The whole world is watching. Oh boy, it's going to kick off next episode. Derek Whitfield, simply put. Shocked emoji. Dr. Bob Phillips says, It's been built into this, but I didn't expect the Shield of America to literally be dripping with the blood of a dispossessed person. Is the only way out of this to send the Shield into space? Would it then become a sword, John Harrison? It actually would. It yes. would not become a sword. The sword is Shield in space. No. I'm not letting this lie. You're totally right, Bob. Uh, Bob says, I think we are all still very much being tempted into the idea of revolutionary versus terrorist being just a point of view. And I have to think I would have slid there. But Derek O'Neill, you reminded me of the 80s and a trip from mainland to Belfast and the way life just carried on as heavily armoured Land Rovers mounted pavements in a complex choreography with other vehicles where I was faced with the reality of the UK Civil War that had wrecked so many lives. That keeps me watching this and trying hard to refuse the story they're trying to sell. It's a really interesting point, Bob. Um, you know, this is obviously a drama narrative. And uh, as I mentioned earlier on, the whole show does seem to be about perspective and context. And they are really selling that everybody has an interesting perspective and a justifiable uh, context for their actions in the show. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, coming from the country that we're from and, and the history that we have as a, as a nation. Um, it, it does take on its own, uh, its own uh, version of that context for ourselves as well. Yes, there'll be the MCU version of the Troubles, known mm. for years. Well, Star Trek tried to touch that once and uh, and uh, almost lost the episode from their entire run. Uh, yeah, it's a bit a bit complex to be sticking it. Just days. a tad. <laughs> we also got some feedback from Lisa Richardson, who said, from the first firelit scene in Wakanda to the brutal, bloody scene in Latvia, this was quite an episode. Mm-hmm. Highlights for me were the amazing chemistry b- between Ao and Bucky throughout the episode. The low-key threat to Sarah from Cardi, and finally seeing the real-life consequences of a non-powered human, Lamar, being knocked into a pillar by a superhuman, Cardi. Battlestar's death was tragic, and now we can clearly see John Walker's descent into madness. Yeah, again, as you said, it's the real-life consequences of a non-powered human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you could say the same. Technically... Sam is non-powered, but he's got the wings, so it's that kind of like he Battlestar was essentially just a guy with a bit of armor in a battle armor. That absolutely, was it. absolutely, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, I like uh, Lisa's mention of the low key threat to Sarah from Carly. Is Carly low key? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, no, Lisa. Mephesto. <laughs> well, yes, and um, the Flag Smashers have been able to do what the Cylons haven't uh, for a long, long time. Take out Battlestar. Exactly. Yep. Thanks so much, Lisa. Uh, Kelly Resenda says, well, that escalated quickly, mm-hmm. and we have more bloody violence on Disney+. Plus. What? <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. A bit more blood, a bit more violence on Disney+. Plus. They are pushing 
the envelope here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeff Childs also says, get this man an Emmy. Nice. <laughs> Sebastian Stan was amazing in that opening scene with Ao. With no words, you could see all of the struggle and anguish in his face as he fought to be finally free of his programming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Jeff. Um, I think it was a really strong, um, intense um opening there and i i just could not agree with you more from the the music to just sebastian stan's um uh internalizing of whether he may or may not become the winter soldier again as ao delivers the trigger words uh really really good yeah thanks so much jeff um brandy elise anderson says while rewatching this episode, I was amazed with the character comparisons that took place. I'll start with the two most powerful scenes. The episode was end capped with two scenes depicting the characters overcome with raw emotions that stemmed from fear. Bucky has a positive release when he is consumed with relief and hope, while Walker's is definitely a negative outburst as he is consumed by rage. Mm-hmm. While Walker's movements at the end of this episode might have mirrored Steve's movements at the end of Civil War, his actions definitely did not. First, Steve didn't go for the kill shot, to the relief of Tony and all his stands. (laughs) But what Walker and Steve did after was even more telling. Steve put down the shield. Mm -hmm. The two men who died at the end of the episode were the only two to compare Carly to Steve Rogers. It has been said... This whole series, Steve Rogers equals idealistic America and John Walker equals realistic America, hits home when a character who grew up loving Steve Rogers and what the shield stood for only to be killed by that shield. Mm -hmm. Sam not being interested in taking the serum shows why Steve chose him. He's a good man and Steve said he trusted in people. I need more information on Sharon Carter. Why were her knuckles bruised and scraped, as well as the cut she had on her lip? So many questions. Also, Zemo was fully locked on to his end goal. He shot the scientists, shot and wounded the flag smasher Carly, and he smashed all the bottles of the serum as soon as he got a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks so much, Brandy. Um, I think... On Sharon Carter, I noticed the little cut on her lip as well. I didn't yeah. see the bruised knuckles, um, but I kind of just wondered whether that was from um, the previous episode, yeah, whether it was, was just, just kind a... of continuity maybe yeah. uh, from the previous episode. I thought it was just from the um, Madripoor fight, yeah. But I, I, I guess, yeah, still the context of Sharon in this episode uh, has a, a lot of questions uh, around it. Um, I'm totally with you on on Zemo. I think um, I just think he's fab character. Um, And yeah, I mean these that the powerful scenes, the way you've kind of described them as this bookend uh, with Bucky and with with Walker, and then also Walker's um, whole um, contrast with how Steve would have behaved in that situation despite Mm -hmm. that same landing um that hero captain america landing um it is really spot on um completely agree uh with you thanks so much brandy yes thank you so much brandy we also have a bit of feedback from michael walling who says 
As soon as Lamar was killed, I knew John Walker was going on a killing spree. That final shot of the blood-covered shield shows us the exact reason why John Walker was never worthy of it. He is full of vengeance and hate, whereas Steve Rogers was full of selfishness and love of all people. Mm-hmm. Even Zemo was forced to admit that Steve was unique among the super soldier community, and that says a lot coming from him. When given the opportunity to kill Tony at the end of Civil War for going after Bucky, he didn't, and disabled the suit instead. Compare that scene with the end of this episode, the similarity is striking. Absolutely, yeah, really really good points, Michael. Very similar to what Brandy was saying about those scenes. Yeah, no, 100%. Finally, we got a piece of feedback from David, Mr. Ryder, who said, Can we just have a round of applause for how badass the Wakandans are? Just came in kicking ass and then walked out. Yeah, I lo- yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that. The final mode after the fights happened and uh, and one of them has the shield in hand and then they go, Ozima's gone and then just drop the shield and walk. They're done. Yeah. It's like, yeah. <laughs> mission's over. Off we go. Awesome. The way you said it, like they have their own show, reportedly have their own show coming up on Disney Plus and that's just going to be amazing. That is going to be like Afro-futurist like kicking ass, taking names. You're going to have the Dora Milaje. You're going to have Shuri, most likely. You're going to have the, the White Wolf himself again. It's going to be so good. Well, five different communities to to talk about in Wakanda as well. Yeah. So uh, it'd be really interesting to see more of the society and, and what's going on there. Thanks so much for that, David. Thanks to everybody for your feedback over on Facebook. If you want to join our Facebook group, you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Put a spoiler post up there every week for the episode so you can leave your thoughts uh, on there. Or you can email us as uh, as everybody that sent us emails. Uh, you can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, you can email us with your thoughts uh, in writing or you can send us in a voicemail uh, just like Greg Schwamm and Steve Brand did. Uh, first up, Greg Schwamm with a voicemail about this episode. Hello Derek, John and Chris. This is Greg. I just finished episode four, The Whole World is Watching and oh god, this is this is a tough one. Uh, I mean, I don't get me wrong, like I, I, I don't particularly care for John Walker. I thought he was a bit of a butthead. And then, you know, recognizing his own weaknesses throughout this, getting his butt kicked by the Dora Milaje. Um, and then, like, I, I, I get, I get why he took the serum and whatnot. Um, but the, uh, just the fallout that is, this is that's coming from this, like, the, the show is amazing. It's absolutely like every, you know, high production value, uh, spy thriller. Uh, you know, including, you know, Winter Soldier and Civil War and I mean, it's just, there's, it's so good. And, and I think the fact that it, it deals with kind of those heavier issues uh, actually is one of the things that makes it a lot better. Um, and anyway, I, I really enjoyed it, although I don't necessarily know that I'd be able to watch it, especially with that ending iconic scene with the blood dripping from the shield. Uh, that was, that was, that was a tough watch. Um, not because it was bad, just because it was so heavy. All right. Look forward to the podcast. Bye. Thank you, sir, for that fantastic voicemail. Um, the one thing I, we haven't talked about the, the production. I can't wait to see the behind the scenes assembled of this. Uh, I'm assuming they're, 
the assumption is they're going to do it. We have they haven't confirmed that we are getting a, ma- a making of kind of episode. Yeah, pretty now, likely though. Yeah. It's likely. It's pretty sure. Like it will be the one week after, maybe two weeks after the final episode. So in about three weeks, four weeks, we'll get that. And I can't wait to see that. Mm-hmm. Just to see again, yeah, the production, the dis- discussion on the costumes, everything, the sound, the deep, the deep. They're going to have to do the globe trotting location spotting yeah. kind of one discussions and like when they filmed like i'm assuming they actually filmed in riga for this uh but we, i won't I, I think so yeah i think there was a lot of travel around the world and i know they definitely filmed in eastern europe for a lot of the, a lot of uh the scenes and a lot of the the, the filming because remember uh this is the one that got caught uh by covid um oh, yeah, when they were yeah. filming so they had to stop because the cast couldn't travel from home uh to the locations whereas uh, WandaVision could continue because at least it was in the US so they were only under the travel restrictions within the US this show is low traffic so they had multiple countries uh, to, to actually navigate uh, their individual COVID restrictions uh, thanks so much Greg for your feedback yeah, as well yeah absolutely. You're, you're totally right the final moment of this does feel really weighty and feels as powerful as the bigger moments within Civil War and, and Winter Soldier uh, I could totally see that yeah thanks so much Greg um, we also have a final voicemail from Steve Brown Wow, now that was an ending to an episode. Um, I said on panels last week that there wasn't any much blood in this. And you guys, I correct me that we did see blood when Selby was killed. But now we've got blood on the shield. Wow. Uh, hey, Derek and Chris and John and Steve. Um, this is with the latest episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I just finished the first watch of it. And wow, I am just blown away uh a couple real quick things um i was surprised that walker took the serum because i thought maybe he would hold on to it so they could test it and and make more um and the death of lamar i'm assuming he's dead i mean we'll find out for sure probably next week wow uh and just what that sent him on as a, wow, as a journey for him. Um, gosh, uh, and I'm, I'm now, I'm kind of leaning towards, you guys might be right. Sharon Carter might be the power broker. Um, it, it does seem, and also we need to find out, we haven't been shown yet who, Carly is getting her information from because she got all that information about Sam's family very quick. Okay. Um, I can't wait to watch it again. I think I say this every time and I can't wait to hear you guys talk about it. And I can't wait to talk about it with Mark on, on our podcast. All right. Talk to you later. Thanks for the feedback, Steve. Yeah, looking forward to hearing your thoughts over on Palace to Pixels as well. Yeah, that is a really shocking moment at the end, isn't it? I loved how our feedback has tended to be either people looking at the full episode or people going, I had thoughts about it and then the end happened and everything went out of my head. You know, mm-hmm. uh, if you'd recorded me immediately after watching the episode the first time, I probably would have sounded exactly the same as you did there, Steve. Yes. Thank you so much, Steve. Um, yeah, I'm thanks, glad more Steve. and more people are starting to uh, fall in line with my Sharon Carter is the power broker theory. Oh, it's your theory um, now. Yeah, it's my theory. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking, cre- I'm taking credit for it. hundred percent. I think it's the TV podcast industries theory. Uh, okay. We'll take, we'll take it as that. Um, <laughs> Although I might have edited it to make it sound like it was my theory, uh, of course. Okay, so <laughs> our theory, uh, the royal we, the royal R, um, they they have one more episode. So essentially, they, there's two ways that it will go. It will either be 
a surprise ending where it will be a big reveal. Mm. The power broker is Thunderbolt Ross. The John power Bernthal broker is, as the Punisher. <laughs> yeah, it has to be that level or it's Sharon Carter. It's yeah. one of, and Sharon Carter is working for the power broker. Yeah. Or she at least knows who the power broker is and has been like the way she was walking purposely through. It yeah. has to be more than like either she is second lieutenant to the power broker or she is the power broker. Mm-hmm. And if she is second lieutenant, it needs to be an OMG, yeah. holy mother, this is like, can you believe that that's who the power broker is? Exactly. Because if it's just, if it's just Joe Squabs from Madripoor, you're like, huh, what? <laughs> who the hell's that like? Although equal opportunities, if Joe Squabs from Madripoor does get it, then fair juice to me. Fair to me, obviously um, deserve the, the role. <laughs> there, there is part of me as well, I know it's, Definitely not going to be the case, but just because Hawkeye went on a bit of a rampage in Southeast Asia, that, um, you know, and, and I guess put the fear of God into most of organized crime there, that for some reason I could see him as sort of coming back and kind of just going, this is mine. This is mine. Right. I'm the power broker. <laughs> uh, and if you've got anything to say, you'll have a bow and arrow pointed at you. I like it. Hawkeye, the upcoming series from Disney+. Plus. Uh, that's how it ties into uh, Falcon yeah, the Winter It won't be. Hawkeye. I know that. But it's just because, you know, he, he did the whole um, cutting a swathe through um, Southeast Asia mm-hmm. with the organized crime. I, I guess he must have visited Madripoor at some I'm point. I'm sure he did. I think everybody in the, the Marvel Universe has to visit there at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there are rumors out there, but I'm not getting taken in by them after, uh, after the rumors of the massive... Uh, character appeared in uh, supposed to appear in one division episode nine uh, and turned out to be paul bettany um playing <laughs> another version of himself i'm uh, not taken in by any of the rumors about what's out there but looking forward to the next two episodes thanks so much once again for joining us for our coverage of falcon and Witch soldier we'll be back with episode five next week also covering invincible and pettyworth as well so loads and loads of podcasts still coming out from us thanks so much for joining us this time talk to you again next time bye-bye Yeah, thanks so much, fellow Defenders, for joining us. It is a pleasure, as always, uh, chatting with you. All things Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, Remember, keep watching, keep listening, and keep defending. Bye. I hear a lot of people saying the blues, the blues, but I'm going to tell you what the blues is.